1 to 15. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to give away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human hearts. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever, ever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and whatever will be has been before and God will call the past to account. Nothing like keeping it in the family, is there? It's good. And good morning to each one of you, and it is good to be here uh, this morning. Imagine, if you will, that your bank calls you on a Friday afternoon, and just for a change, they actually have some good news. The manager tells you that someone is going to give you a deposit each day of 86,400 cents every day starting on Monday morning. That adds up to $864 a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Wouldn't that be nice if your bank just suddenly got generous and did that for you? But like every bank, there's always a condition, there's a stipulation. You have to spend all the money that same day. No balance will be carried over to the next day. You start to think about that. $864 times seven days is over $6,000 a week almost $315,000 a year you could spend if you were diligent. But you need to remember that what you don't spend is lost forever. Well, do you realise that every morning someone who loves you very much deposits into your account of time 86,400 seconds, which is 1,440 minutes, which of course is 24 hours each day. Now, you've got to remember that that same stipulation applies because God gives you this amount of time for you to use each day. Nothing is carried over on credit till the next day. There's no such thing as a 26-hour day, though some bosses might like to think there is. From today's dawn until tomorrow's dawn, you have precisely a determined amount of time. Someone has put it like this, life is a coin. You can spend it any way you want to, but you get to spend it only once. 
One of the most fascinating and I might add frustrating of all subjects is this four-letter word called time. It's amazing. We all have the same amount of time, whether we're broke or whether we're the richest person on earth, whether we're old or young, married or single, adult or child. And think of how much the word time is woven into the fabric of our conversation every day. What time is it? It's about time. Where did the time go? I need a time out. You need a time out. What does, time does the meeting start? What time will the meeting end? I don't have time for that. How much time will that take? Don't waste your time on that. Don't waste my time. It's time to go. If I could have my time over again, time flies when you're having fun. Is that the time I have to be so somewhere? What time is this guy going to stop preaching? And so on and so on. And you can think of all the many more times that we think about this word time. Time has been defined as a stretch of duration in which things happen. This reminds me of the fact that we all have eternity to enjoy our victories, but we only have one life in which to win them. In the passage that was read to us by Beth, Solomon, or the writer, informs us of three facts of life. And the first fact is found in the very first verse. It says, There is time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. The first fact is we don't live this life in isolation. Even though life throws all kinds of things at us, we don't have to experience those things alone. There is a time and a season for every activity under heaven. We all have one who is over us. We have a heavenly Father who loves us, who enjoys us, who desires the best for us. Sometimes he teaches us. Sometimes we are very aware of his blessings. Sometimes he rebukes us. At other times we feel and know his comfort, his tenderness and his peace. But from before our birth to the moment of our death, God is accomplishing his divine purposes, even though we may not always understand what he is doing. And this defies the theories of fatalism and deism. What are those? Well, fatalism says that all events are determined by fate and therefore everything is inevitable. For example, when your number's up, there's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, you might be sitting on a plane, there's engine trouble, and you go, ah, oh, well, number's up, you know, we're in trouble. What happens if the pilot's number's up? Well, then we're all in trouble, aren't we? <laughs> Deism, on the other side, is the belief that God exists and created the world, but he does not control it. So a deist would say, liken God to a giant watchmaker who wound up the world, created the world, and just said, all right, I'll take my hands off, let it run down of its own accord. I've got no interest in it. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about our God, about our Lord? In Isaiah 41, we read, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Gain from Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. From Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and never present help in trouble. From Luke 12, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable 
are you to them, to him, than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why worry about the rest? And from Romans 8, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears nor today, nor our fears of today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. God loves us. He loves you. He is intimately interested in you. He delights in you. Never for a moment think that life is just meaningless. It's a meaningless set of circumstances and events that we have to endure and somehow muddle our way through on our own until we die. We have a God who loves us with a perfect love, a God who is willing to be involved if we are willing to allow him to be. As I said, from before our birth to the moment of our death, God is accomplishing his divine purposes, even though we may not always understand what he is doing. We don't live this life in isolation. The second fact is that we have free will. When we scan the list of things that there is a time for in verses 2 to 8, we realise that really there are only two we can have little or no influence over. The day we take our first breath and the day we take our last. How many of us chose the day we were born? None of us, did we? Not many of us know the day that we will die. Although growing up in some families, you were never quite sure. If you do that again, I'm going to kill you. I could have wrung his neck. If I find out you've lied to me, life won't be worth living. Even bedtime prayers could be life-threatening. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Night, kids, sweet dreams, you know. Don't worry about it. Birth and death are really at the disposal of God. But with all the others, we have a choice, if not about the circumstance, at least how we respond to it. The other thing to note is that the seasons of life can be exciting for a little while, but we soon realise that nothing lasts forever. We plant and then we uproot. We kill and we heal. What's this about kill? Well, the Hebrew word translated as kill in this passage means to kill or slay, but not to murder. God obviously commands us not to murder another human being. Murder is killing another person without a legal justification. But while God has told us we can take life of an animal for food in Genesis chapter 9, we cannot take the life of another person on our own. However, like it or not, God has given governments the right to take the lives of individuals who murder other people. Governments have given the right to kill men and women who murder and for other offences they deem necessary. Capital punishment was granted by God for moral reasons to render justice. The list goes on. We tear down and then we build something new until it gets old and then we tear that down and build something new and so on and so on. We weep, we laugh, we mourn, we dance. We scatter stones and gather them. That scatter stones. Sometimes if you didn't like your neighbour and you know he had to plough his field, in the old days you could throw some stones in his field and just make a mess for him. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? And then if someone's done that to you, obviously there's a time to gather those stones out of your field and you can use those stones to make walls or fences or build houses with. It goes on, we embrace, we don't embrace. We search, we give up searching. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. 
That's not talking about your children, parents. You need to keep them. You can't throw them away. We tear, we mend, we keep quiet, we speak up. We love, we hate, we have times of war, we have times of peace. And this cycle seems to go over and over and over. We're going to mourn more than once in our lives. We're going to weep more than once in our lives. We're going to laugh more than once in our lives. We're going to plant more than once in our lives and uproot more than once in our lives and so on and so on. In each of the list of opposites, we generally have a choice. We can choose each of these seasons, a choice. we can choose each of these seasons and at times we can choose how long we stay in these seasons. But at other times those seasons come into our lives and they seem to set up camp for a while. A life can end suddenly, an injury can occur, a job can be lost, a marriage can implode and leave a family shattered. Life is rarely fair, often hard, sometimes cruel, and many times it takes all our strength just to get through the day. This drought, as we know, has gone on so long and affected so many people. There are fourth and fifth generation farmers who are having to walk off the land, feeling all the guilt, feeling all the sense of failure, feeling all this, but nothing they could do because they've simply run out of feed, or they've run out of money. The fires of this past week have disrupted, if not devastated, so many lives. The fires have affected so many people in our region. Some human lives we know have been lost. Animal deaths are innumerable. Property losses are high. You know, sometimes we can sit here in where we live and see fires in other areas of our nation and it does affect us a bit. But when it affects us right where we are, the effects are large, they're loud and they're very personal. For the most part, life is a struggle. And for what? What's the point? As the writer states in verses 9 and 10, what does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. If you don't have a faith in God, there doesn't seem to be a point to this life. Sure, there'll be good times, there'll be prosperous times, but at the end of life, then what? That leads us to our third point. God has set eternity into our hearts. Every human soul is a God, has a God-given awareness that there is something more in this world. And with that awareness, eternity comes a hope that we can find a fulfilment not afforded by the meaningless of this everyday life in this world. God has placed an eternal longing and along a sense of eternity in every human heart, in your heart and my heart, whether people will acknowledge it or not. Ecclesiastes 3.11 affirms the idea that humans can operate in a different way than other forms of life. We have a sense of eternity in our lives. We possess an innate knowledge that there is something more to this life that we can see and experience in the here and now. Seasons we know come and go, but does anything in this life truly satisfy us? The answer in Ecclesiastes is no. It's all vanity or it's all meaningless. However, through all the ups and downs and the uncertainties of life, we have a glimpse of stability. God has set eternity in the human heart. In James 4, he compares life to a vapour, but we know there is something that goes on beyond this life. We have a divinely implanted awareness that the soul lives on forever. This world is now not our home, we know that. In my profession as a funeral director, I've noted two main things. Number one, death is no respecter of age, popularity, 
how good a life you've lived, how much your family loves you, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian. And number two, that even if someone has not acknowledged God, there is still an expression, and I can say this 100%, there has always, for every funeral I've attended, there has always been an expression that their loved ones are somewhere else, that they are still living on somewhere. I've never heard, despite the talk you may hear at the pub or around the traps, this is the end of life, that's it, when you die, that's it. I have never heard that expressed at a funeral. Even if they don't acknowledge God, there's always, well, they must be somewhere else. They must be looking after someone else, another relative. They must be doing something else. No one can comprehend that this life is all we have. God has placed eternity in our hearts as a magnet to draw us to himself. If we come to understand that this corrupt and dying world is not the place that God intended us to live for forever, we will search for something else. Some people search for a myriad of things, but prayerfully and hopefully that search will lead people to the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed in the Bible. Through the human life, through ministry, suffering, death and resurrection of Jesus, God is making everything new. When we accept Jesus as our personal saviour, our spirit is born again by the Holy Spirit coming to live within us. God begins a process of renewing our minds through the truth of the Bible and we gradually understand and surrender to God's good, pleasing and perfect will. God broke the power of evil in our lives through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. The evil desires of our flesh are gradually broken and crucified each time we choose to obey the will of God. The Holy Spirit moulds and shapes our emotional natures to produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. When Jesus comes again, we'll receive our new resurrected bodies created eternally perfect for the new earth that God will create. God created us with his eternal desire to know him, to be in a personal relationship with him. We begin that relationship with God by accepting his salvation. And as we surrender our lives to him, we experience eternity in our hearts and our God-created desires are fulfilled, even though the world around us is still corrupt, is still dying. Solomon said, there is a time for everything. Paul said in Romans 5, verses 6 and 8, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we we're still sinners, at the right time, Christ died for us. The world really is meaningless without Christ. Without him, there is no real point. But with Christ, he forgives us, he cleanses us, he gives us purpose in our lives, he sets eternity in our hearts. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song called My Lighthouse. One of the verses contains these words. I won't fear what tomorrow brings. With each morning, I'll rise, I'll sing. My God's love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. 
I would say if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you can't sing those words. And you can't sing that verse because you don't know God's love or peace. I invite you at this time, perhaps while this song has been sung, to ponder your relationship with Jesus, to ponder your relationship with Christ. And I would urge you to admit your need of Him. If you take the word time, T-I-M-E, think of it as this. This is my eternity. What you have today may be all you do have. Who knows? We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what this week will bring. But for those of us who have Christ in our hearts, who have eternity set in our hearts, we have everything. That's why the fires can come. They can destroy, it can be devastating, we can weep, we can mourn, we can do all those things, but above and beyond that, we know this isn't all there is to this life. We can rise above, but only through Christ Jesus our Lord. So as the music team comes and as we sing this song, if you've never committed your life to Christ, can I encourage you to do that today? And John's going to ask later too, if you need prayer, can I encourage you to come down the front and if you'd like to pray for people, can I encourage you also to come down and be there for people and pray for them. And remember, eternity is in our hearts. It's only in our hearts because of the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand with us.